You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Nordics podcast, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordics region. I'm Gemma, I help connect business with tech talent and today I'm your host. Hi, welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today I'm joined with Miriam, Hans, Thomas and Thiago. Before we delve deeper into the topic, let's go around the room and do some introductions. Mariam, would you like to kick us off? Yeah, sure. It's a pleasure to be here, Phil. Thank you. Uh, my name is Mariam Andrade. I came from to Sweden one year and a half ago. I'm a manager engineering in Klarna. I have been working with engineering teams and, and software development for the last almost 20 years now. Yes, has been a long time. But yeah. <laughs> And now I'm, I'm, I'm working back in Brazil in different companies, big and smaller companies, and now I'm here in Clarence, managing a team. Perfect. And how about you, Hans? Right. Uh, so my name is Hans Hantrum. Uh, I'm originally from uh, down south of Sweden in Malmö, uh, coincidentally also the best city in football in Sweden. And uh, I've been in the software industry for 15 to 20 years, and uh, I work a lot now these days with uh, helping teams grow and helping teams uh, perform. Uh, and I work at a company called OneFlow and we make uh, digital smart contracts. Perfect, and Thomas? Yeah, my name is Thomas Becklin. Uh, I just came back to Sweden. I've been in California for 25 years, working at various companies inside of the tech scene. I'm back now and I'm working for a company called To Heal as their CTO and uh, we're just getting started. So I'm very excited. Lovely. And last but not least, Thiago. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Thiago. And I'm the CTO and co-founder here at ACAMP. And our company is in a mission to connect people with nature. Uh, so we create a platform where landowners and campers can get together and campers can book uh, and pay uh, for their camping experience through our platform. Uh, I'm originally from Brazil as well. So I have a fellow Brazilian here. Uh, yeah. And I moved to Europe a few years ago, uh, first to Germany, spent a couple of years there, and then I moved here to Stockholm, where I am now. Perfect, thank you. So now we've established who all of us are. Let's move forward onto the topic. So as usual, you've all provided a question or a statement to discuss about how you can ensure your teams operate effectively under high pressure. As usual, we'll move around the room and ask the questions and give your reasons behind it. And we'll give you all the opportunity to talk a little bit more about it. Um, Hans, should we start with your question? Yeah, sure. Uh, so my question is this uh, on for like fully functional and high performing team. That's one thing. But when you throw sort of a monkey wrench into the into the equation and everything changes, there can be changes of different natures. It could be a sort of changing domain. It could be like you lose one or two really key performers. It could be like uh, that you're just growing uh, or that your your uh, customer base is changing and that the sort of things they throw at you changes as well. So there could be a lot of reasons for this change. Um, and this is really what I would like to discuss because how do we keep like a team that, that's motivated uh, on the point and are willing and, and have the capacity as well as the tools to respond to this constant change? That's sort of my my question. Yeah, that, that, that can be tough in my experience because as you know, a lot of engineers uh, are not really that good with change. They like you know mm. a solid pace. They like to do their work. 
so, I mean, in general, I've dealt with it with trying to be a little bit in between and prevent as much of that noise to, to come into the engineers. But at the same time, you need to be a little bit transparent. So it's like really balanced. But mm. if you have a CEO, for example, coming in and talking about new things every day, that'd be very disrupting to, to the pace and to everybody's well-being. So I, I try to be a little bit of block, blocker, I guess, uh, when I can. Thiago, mm. uh, so you had your hand up. What do you think? I forgot about yeah. that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. For this is a very interesting question, and for me, I think it it all starts with communicating properly with the team why those changes are happening and how do you see those those changes, uh, even if they are bad changes. Like some examples that you gave, like if you lose a a great performer, engineer, or something like. Uh, I don't like to sugarcoat things. Like if it's a change, it's a change, communicate it to the team, uh, make sure that they understand why it's happening, mm. because especially if there are some miscommunication about those changes, people always cover the gaps with the information they have. And sometimes mm. they can get the wrong conclusions about why those things are changing. So I think the communication needs to be there. And you as the lead, you know, you're the responsible to make sure that everything is systematically communicated to your team. Uh, yeah, and also share like, how do you personally see uh, how things needs to go forward? Uh, based on those changes, because like engineers, they, they like changes. They like uh, sometimes they like changes, sometimes they like uh, stability. But mm. when the change actually comes, they look for some like rock solid, like some something that can be stable around them. Uh, and it's also important for you to share like how do you see personally those changes? Uh, uh, mm. How do you want the team to handle it? So yeah, for me, I think it all boils down to communicate it. Why those changes are happening? Uh, what's how do you see their effects? Uh, and how, what do you expect from the team uh, based on those changes? Yeah, yeah, very good. Yeah, I, I would say pretty much the same what you, you two said, that it's, uh, the transparency is something that's really important to keep with the team, to make them aware of what's happening. But of course, always have in mind that some things, you need to hold some things, you need to, mm. uh, to be the gatekeeper of the the health of the team to make sure that we're not bringing you are not you, you are not the responsible for uh, having the instability inside the team and you are you you can filter what will help them to understand what's happening and the change that's happening or how mm. that could affect that how that would affect them and how you as a leader can support them during these changes to this process to overcome these or to support these in an easier way or a more smoother way. I yeah. Main, the main, my main objective is always to, to learn with them and talk with them and get their feedback to understand how can I support them during this, this change moments, during these change periods, to make them make, feel more comfortable with that change. Mm. Just to butt in, what if it was like a different um, type of change? What if, you know, you had a product being released on Monday and it was like Thursday afternoon and you had loads of things you needed to do to finalise it and what a member of your team rings in and they say, um, I've got COVID, I can't come in for 10 days. And you've got to deal with that change really quickly mm. while it impacts your team. How would you all deal with that? 
I would have tried. I mean, obviously, this is a simple answer, but never to end up in that situation in the first place. Uh, and I think that's that's the sort of uh, like easy answer. But if you end up in that situation, I think you just have to, in that case, be honest to the team and like. But things you already you guys already mentioned that be transparent. We have this situation; it's not ideal. These are. Uh, this is just something we have to solve, and then we'll get better from here. We have to like uh, solve the problem, move on, and improve. I guess uh, would be what what to do in this case. Uh, but how to do that? It, it it really depends on the team as well, because some teams are really they would just deal with it themselves. They're like, all right, fine, we'll solve it. Uh, other guys wouldn't be that. So it's also partially about the maturity and the spirit of a team and how sort of what in-depth knowledge they have if it's like a team that's fairly new and the, the lead guy or lead uh, person gets taken out out of uh, out of context it's really hard uh, but hopefully you're not in that situation so it it's, depends a lot on, on sort of a lot of these parameters and thomas how would you deal with it <clears throat> Yeah, I think exactly like uh, Hans said, I mean, you have to look at it as an opportunity to learn. Uh, if you have single points of failures, um, it's obviously not good. Um, and I mean, I think you just to approach it that way and like take a step back and have everybody sit down and like, so how can we avoid this the next time? Uh, it's inevitable that it will happen again, but you know, let's look at what we can do to avoid it next time. Uh, so kind of frame it positively, even though it's obviously not an ideal situation. Uh, yeah, I wanted to add uh, about this topic and it's connected to what Hans said is that I think that uh, it is important to plan yourself to minimize the amount of times you ended up in that situation in the first place. Mm. Uh, but I think it all, everything depends on how critical your operation is because mm. there are some situations that I don't know if someone is just uh, sick uh, in the day of uh, release or something like this. Some situations you can afford to just push the deadline a couple of days and okay, mm. there's no problem. Other situations, you don't have the option to push the deadline. Like it has to be that way, that date. So if if you are in the situation that is critical, then you have to plan around it, and you have to have redundancies, and have to make sure that the team can deliver regardless of those external factors that could happen. So it's basically plan for the worst and be ready in case the worst actually happens. Yes, yes. Uh... As, as you said, I think that in each situation they, we might have different ways of handle, but basically it's regroup with the team and discuss with them what options do we have together to maybe if it's a person that it's not available, try to find someone that might be available or work together with them, uh, be hands-on with them to see what how can I help them to perform better to, or to overcome this, this situation or anyone inside the team that can put some more effort to support these or if everyone can group together to go over these or just if it's another possibility as Chad just said let's try to postpone what we have the dates that we have if it's possible if it's not let's mm. work together to overcome that perfect I think you gave some really good answers there has anyone else got anything before we move on to somebody else's question no, wonderful. Um, how about you, Thomas? What would you like to introduce your question? Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, how do you create an environment where your team feels it's okay to fail 
um, and I actually have experience with this and I uh, had to work through that with my team. <clears throat> Basically, we're building software for drones and drone operations and uh, we had to move fast in order to get where we wanted to go and at one of my engineers took a long time to finish stuff and I started talking to him and he turns out he was just really afraid of crashing the drone <laughs> and like, he thought he would be responsible for paying for it etc so it made me think about that and um, mm. I don't know if you guys have had any similar situation and what you do about it it'll be interesting to know Yeah, that's an, that's an interesting question because, I mean, I think especially nowadays, like every company says, that, okay, it's a safe place here. You can make mistakes on it. But when reality actually comes, people avoid mistakes like crazy. Uh, and if someone makes a mistake, sometimes the environment itself pushes a punish, punishment on that person. And I think that especially you're in the leadership position, I think it all starts with the example that you give, like how openly you talk about your own mistakes Uh and one of my companies, like we had like a yearly event that was like always very important for us around Black Friday. And uh, every time after the Black Friday ends, we get together and we talk about all the mistakes that we did during Black Friday. And at the beginning, mm -hmm. I was the first one because I say, okay, this is all the things that I did that was wrong. I should have done better. And then people say, okay, the, the, the manager here is openly talk about their mistakes. Why not? I should also talk about my mistakes. And then it, it, that starts affecting the culture that people can very openly talk about their mistakes. Mm -hmm. And then they know that there are some space to take some risks as long as you come forward. And then you explain uh, to the rest of the team what happened and what you're going to do to avoid this in the future. But I think it all starts with the example that you set uh, for the rest of the team because we, otherwise it's just a speech that, Mistakes are acceptable, but in reality is different. Mm. Yes, I would also mention that, that the example that's something that's very important, but I, something that's uh, at least at least in the experience that I had, it's very important. It's the environment also. We really need to have an environment where everyone lives on that it's it's okay to fail. It's not only one people are not only the manager or not, not only a few of people, it must be everyone. It, and then it's really hard to build it, mainly in, in bigger companies, maybe in smaller companies, it's a little uh, easier. Here in Klarna, I would say that we have this kind of environment, uh, but anyway, as you said, it's, it's uh, there are always some cost involved, there are some money involved, and no one wants to lose money, no one wants to see something failing, and then it, when you measure, you see that you have lost uh, some thousands or some hundreds of thousands of dollars or, or euros, and then someone will be need to be accountable for that. And at the end, uh, but how can you show for the, to everyone that they need to be responsible, but at the same time they need to uh, take the accountability and, and and take that risk sometimes but and then we we need to help them to understand what's the balance of kind of responsibility that i should have what kind of care that i should have before i take any kind of risk or what kind of risk we are willing to take or not uh i think that that is the hardest part it, there is no you know easy way of having this or communicating this to the team the leadership showing how you do explaining how your rationale behind the decisions that you are taking together with the team i think that it helps a lot for them to mm. understand what you as a leader is doing and always trying to bring it when the company also have this kind of decisions and 
and the, the, the leadership of the company and everyone is taking decision and you help to show them the the, the, the reason behind the decision help them to understand it i think that the team start learning and understanding what kind of risks that they might take or they should take what kind of risks they, they shouldn't take and then feel more comfortable and once they fail you then we all of you already said that we shouldn't uh we should be open to discuss yeah. it and then submit and and then uh they will with time they will learn and they see that that's something acceptable and what kind of failing and what kind of risks it's okay to to take and accept the, the failing yeah yeah i think uh first of all it's it's a very very good question this and it's so many like it depends a lot on what you mean with failure um and how you define failure in the, in its essence it's about like making a failure or like mistakes part of the everyday uh, like journey in terms of having this short feedback loop so we fail in the small in the beginning of a project or in the beginning of a task so basically it, it has so many things but if, if you scale it up to to sort of consequences and and what could happen in things it's also about early capture and monitoring if you detect a like a mistake early it's easier to act on it and if you have systems in place to roll back changes i think that that's pivotal um, and keeping the mindset of let's address the problem and then go back and like to, to the working state after getting to a working state then you can write what went wrong and you can go into an incident report and discuss it. And that has to be without blame storming. It has to be in a case where people can say, all right, I pushed to master. That was bad of me. I shouldn't have done that. And then the real problem is, no, we shouldn't have been able to do that. So asking these secondary questions of actually getting to the root cause of the problem, I think is, is very important. And to be able to have a team that, that can do that, you have to have this you both, all, all of you have touched upon it, this, uh, this sense of it's okay to do mistakes because that's how we, we can improve. But if we make the same mistake twice, that's really on us as leaders that we haven't really been able to help a team uh, cover these mistakes. So that would I as well, what I would say in, 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 in big about this. Maybe to bring some other perspective is that sometimes uh, you're in a situation where you can't make a mistake because I, I don't think mm -hmm. any of us work on any software that directly threatens people's life or affects like life or death situation, but a lot of people do. And of mm -hmm. course, if you work like developing software for an airplane, like you don't get to make some mistakes. Uh, and I think that you're from the lead, it's important to set the boundaries of, okay, where what are the moments and technologies and systems where you can experiment, see how it goes. Mm. But from that point onwards, there can be no mistakes. And then there have to be mm. a lot of systems, like Hans was saying, that to prevent those mistakes and not just react on it because you know, that mistake there can be very costly. So yeah, there's mm. also a situation where mistakes can't happen at all and you still mm. need to manage those situations. Yeah, that's great feedback. I agree on everything you guys said. I mean, you got to find and set up the environment where failure is okay so it's like you safety sandbox it basically and then also show some vulnerability as a leader where when you fail you own up to it and talk to about the team about it and i think the key to like you said is keep that feedback loop quick so <clears throat> you speak up when you fail immediately instead of hiding it and it all comes back to just building that trust over time with your team but yeah, it was it was interesting when i discovered that <clears throat> 
um, with that guy on that on the team that time, and it was kind of made me think about it. And I thought of, thought a lot about it since then, and trying to make sure that I allow people to fail gracefully. I guess is one way to put it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like then it, and then going going back to to uh, things where you where you can't fail. I think that was a brilliant thing to bring up, and that that is. That shouldn't be a single person's responsibility. I think there there is a, one of the large uh, aircraft manufacturers that that actually had uh, such a failure that you mentioned uh, in in real life, and that was cost costly. Uh, so in the end, that's sort of on the on the CEO, and it sort of drops down from there. Uh, so leadership wise, but as a, as a team, to have a culture where pointing out this is not going to work. If you launch tomorrow and say we have this problem, it's not going to work. You gotta, we gotta have to fix this thing or work around it somehow. That you have a culture where it's okay to bring that up. I think that's where it starts because there's always someone within an organization who knows about defects, and having that person have a channel which were to voice this, preferably just daily before it even becomes a big thing, but uh, having some sort of trust in the organization and acceptance in the organization that you bring something up. That you not like sort of get blamed for it, not have a shoot the messenger kind of situation. I think that is that is key, but it's it's bigger than just a team in that case. I think you've all raised yeah. some really good points there. Like I think it's really interesting. Do you think um, trust has got a big thing in being all right with a failure? Do you think like maybe the culture of your team and how you operate it can make it be more effective? I, yeah, I mean trust is everything. I believe. Um, and I feel like any team I've been on when it's worked really well, it's because everybody trusted each other. Uh, it can be really finicky to build sometimes, especially if the teams are larger. Uh, but I mean, it starts with yourself and you're showing vulnerability and showing that, you know, that you have their back at the same time. So, yeah, it's a, it's a delicate balance, but yeah, it's definitely worth the work to get, yeah, to get trust. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I just want to say I really agree with that, and it's uh, it's uh, if you don't have trust, then then it's like no use to have a team. <laughs> I mean, you have to. It goes for for whatever you do in your team. So uh, it takes time to develop it, and it takes time to cultivate it, and uh, you can raise it in a day, but it takes like ages to build up again. So if there is anything that fails, let it fail because the trust. If you if you ruin that too then then that's the bigger loss than than just the launch or whatever it could be lovely um and i think the next two questions kind of flow into this really well but we'll start with viago and your question yeah so my question is like how uh, usually you make sure that the pressure that sometimes the teams receive is justified in the first place because there are a lot of situations where there's nothing you can do like the pressure naturally occurs on the team either because i don't know there are some changes in regulation that your product needs to adapt and that puts a lot of pressure uh, on the team or it's something in production that is problematic there's affecting users so those things it happens you can of course make sure that they don't happen so often so you need some some systems in place mm. but sometimes this happen and okay you you handle that but there yeah. are sometimes other situations where the team receive a lot of pressure that is just uh, the team trying to meet some arbitrary deadline imposed by someone that sometimes wasn't even mm. involved uh, in the planning or didn't have an idea of how complicated it would be to 
to do what the engineering team is asking to do. Mm -hmm. So that can be very demoralizing for the team receiving those pressures where they don't understand the reason for that pressure. So how do you make sure that the team understands the reason for the pressure and make sure that the team receives pressures that are justified in the first place? Yeah. Thomas, do you want to start? Yeah. I'm, I'm just laughing because, I mean, this is really a big problem or always something that comes up uh, in every place, especially, I mean, anybody who's worked in management or leadership, like you just have to figure out ways how to manage that pressure. And uh, uh, yeah, I, 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 I feel like it's, you, you kind of have to just meet it head on and be very honest with the person or, or the situation that creates the pressure and try to try to diffuse it in some ways because uh, a lot of times I think pressure works the opposite direction uh, it creates a negative thing so maybe breaking down whatever situation causes the pressure into smaller pieces or figuring out ways to delay some of the some of the issues I mean yeah, basically kind of diffuse diffuse it a little bit if possible mm. it's not always possible obviously and sometimes you just have to do something um, mm. but yeah it's a really tough one yeah i agree i mean it's it's it is really tough one. it's a really good question to bring up uh, uh, from the get-go because i think that's that's something that we all get affected by i just have one more story on this that uh, i think you all sort of uh approach this problem when it ha occurred that was uh, GDPR uh, which was huge here in Europe I'm not sure Thomas if you were uh, present in the European domain when it when it sort of hit us but that was something that came out of a uh, regulatory branch or a company department that's working with like completely different part I would have said a different company than now at that point and we weren't even aware uh, that this happened that, that we had to be live for us at that point because that was never communicated and we just I um, just heard about it actually when I went for a coffee and uh, overheard a conversation and we were like, oh, right, do you have, the, this is the thing for us. We have to do this and uh, we have to build this by now. And that whole thing comes with, with this, uh, like for me, epiphany that this has to be communicated super clearly. What expectations do we have? And if we are uh, like locked in to solve one problem and then like management or some other department have that ex other expectation, that's that's dreadful. So expectations and pressure, it, it's, it has to be communicated early on because if you know you have a lot of time to solve something, then you won't be stressed. And it's just like going through the motions and doing what you're good at, but you sort of cramp up or you know, right, if, if failure is all you can think about, then you will fail. So. If you just can relax and focus on working, you'll solve it. And the best way to do that is know early on. And it doesn't matter if it's GDPR, if it's a law, like on some other law, if it's like a launch. As long as software developers can focus on doing their job in a good way and it's clear what has to be achieved, they'll achieve it uh, in, the, in the best way possible. But if they're afraid, it's not going to work because fear is, is, is really, really not, not a good driver uh, for software development at all. Yeah, uh, when we have some pressure that is, uh, as you said, related to some legislation, I had a, an experience just when I just, I was joining Klarna, we had, we had this new legislation here in Sweden that decide or, or that states on how you should, uh, have, that has changed last year, that it states on how you should uh, sort the payment methods that are shown to the user on the checkout during the checkout so mm. they, that would take place that actually took place 
in July last year. That was exactly when I was joining here in Klarna. And then they, the team was under a very huge pressure. So, But at the same time, they understood what's happening or they were understanding what's happening, why they were doing that. They were working overtime during weekends to, make, to be able to do that. That was quite easy to explain them and to help them to to work and do what they should do and, and trying to to reach the, the results that we have that we would like but after that then they came with different pressures with different dates to okay now we need to improve this thing we need to change that thing but and then that was only internal dates that we have decided then that that's are the, the hard ones for you to and somehow to negotiate with both sides with the team and with the, the I management mm -hmm. that I define those data that that's the I would say that the biggest challenge when you have this kind of thing because the the company has mm -hmm. their their objectives they have their, their dates when they want to do they push to us to do as fast as as possible but the team has their limitation also they have the, the amount of time the other things uh, things in parallel that you also need to do we have just uh, in for this example, on those ex on, on this example specifically, we're just mm -hmm. trying to stabilize all the change that you have done, and at the same time, they would like to have new things at the same time. So then, it's hard to manage these kind of situations. But anyway, with uh, my my approach was and usually is to uh, be closer to the team to uh, negotiate with them what we can do and how we can uh, when we should have more pressure when we should have uh, when, when we can put more effort on that and when we can try to uh, work in a faster or in a higher performance way and when we just try to and kind of things that you you must push back the the management uh, the higher management mm -hmm. to to say okay i know that you have this time that you want to do like that but we we can do with the setup that we have now with, with what we have now we have those other things to do and we just need to push back and again what what i did and what i usually do is to be clear with the team and be very very transparent with the team and work together with them to find this this data and how we can what we, we should push back and what we can afford and, and negotiate with them to mm. be able that they are aware of why we have in this pressure and what we're doing like that why what we why we have those dates why you have those deadlines that we must uh, respect or we must we must, we must have it Yeah, I think that's really that's really good as well. Uh, you lock into the most immediate uh, problem first, the the one of highest value, and uh, there that's that makes a hundred percent sense. So it's it's not really about just uh, just a team, but it's clarity, right? This is our top priority. That also means the roadmap, the backlog. Let's take that in the backseat because this is precedence of everything else. It's sort of like you don't uh, when when your house is burning save yourself don't sort of go through like old photos and stuff and try to to pick things out save yourself that's the most important thing and the same here locking into to what what really matters is something that just not should affect the team and that you should be punished if they relate with something else then because you solve the most immediate problem and that is that is key thomas what do you think about that uh, i don't know if i have much to add i, I definitely agree um and you, someone mentioned uh, managing expectations too, and maybe even negotiating expectations might be a good strategy too, because a lot of times the sky's falling, but once you finally talk to the right person and really dig into it, it might be a lot less worse than it is. So it, it's all usually worse, uh, worth the time to 
really figure out what is the core problem and like mm. double check on it because sometimes there's some arbitrary deadline that a partner might have set up and once you talk to the partner they're like well we just picked a time <laughs> it wasn't really that urgent but it becomes urgent because it's you know it trickles down and the message gets garbled down the wire yeah. so yeah um, yeah yeah. I agree 100% with that because that has happened so many times on teams that I've been part of, not as a leader, but as a member that we had set an, an, like an arbitrary deadline, deliver this and you deliver that and it's like firing something into a black hole. You don't hear back, you don't hear no nothing and you sort of worked really hard with your team to solve this problem. And you're really proud and then like, no, it doesn't matter. That eats away at morale so quickly. Uh, so I 100% agree with that. Having someone Doing the simple and obvious thing that nobody thinks about when, when people are in panic mode, reaching out, is this really something we have to do? Uh, that's that's brilliant, I think. Lovely. I think we had a... Oh, Fiaco? Yeah, no, I just want to wrap up. That's great uh, insights. And just sort of, no, maybe wrap up on a more positive note. Because... I always assume that people are not putting in those pressures because, you know, they just have bad intentions. Like sometimes they do, but most of the time it's not based on bad intentions. Sometimes it's just lack of education of how long mm -hmm. does it actually take. And sometimes people say that it's urgent because it's only a matter of putting a flag there that it's urgent and then it's a priority. But like mm -hmm. they say, if you just talk to that person, sometimes it's very easy to negotiate a different expectation. Uh, but yeah, I think that if you can assume that people are not doing this, like, out of evil instead of it's just sometimes lack of understanding of the complexity of doing this thing and mm -hmm. sometimes communication can disarm the situations and maybe even avoid having situations like this in the future. It's another great tactic there, Tiago. I like it. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree too on the part of coming from a good place versus a bad place. I'd say 95% of the time it's a good place. It just miscommunicated probably. Uh, but it's easy to think that it's, yeah, like you said, someone's out to screw with your team <laughs> when they're really not. Great. I think that's, that's a good point to end it on, Thomas. And um, Miriam, what about your question? Yes, yes. Uh, it's somehow it's related to everything that we are talking here and with the first question. But it's uh, the thing is, uh, when we have some bigger projects, some projects that are, are taking a long period, months, six months uh, or, or more. And then we have we have a team that it's in the core of this project and we are under pressure to always performing pretty well or pretty good, always having this high performance to be able to deliver constantly in high level. It's quite hard to keep this, uh, this level of performance. You know that everyone has some peaks of uh, performance is sometimes very good and then we just got tired and we don't, the performance go down and the mm. question is how can how how can we support the team to keep this performance over time for a long period is it possible can do, do we have any experience or any any previous thoughts about that I think it's a brilliant question. And just to interlock it with, with, with what Tiago raised before as well, this thing with, with uh, when you have like high pressure expectations and uh, demands from the outside world uh, to sort of, sometimes they, they are real, you have to deliver, uh, that you make sure that it's something you have to deliver on time and that you're you're engaging up and you're, you're like doing your best to deliver this. But then also 
using the tactics that and the strategy of sort of the Roman legions when they were marching, they weren't always walking at the same pace. Sometimes they were running, sometimes they were uh, jogging, sometimes they were walking, sometimes they took a day of rest. It's important to, to plan for different sort of levels of performance when you need it. So if you have a really intense period, plan for a really soft period afterwards. Maybe, you know, just going through a lot of uh, lessons learned, cleaning up the project, cleaning up the docs, you know, people can just take their vacation at this point. So you allow for some slack in between because you can't keep performing, you can't keep running, you can't do a sprint when it's a marathon. You have to have a plan for how do we do this and how do we constantly do this? Because when you word it like that, and it's really interesting because that's really what, what, what sort of you can look at and one of the downsides, if you really want to look at it in, in a bad way, Agile, like there's just yet another sprint behind the first sprint and it's just going to go on like this forever. It can be really hamster wheel depressing, but you shouldn't look at it like that. It has, has to be sort of you control what goes in there. And sometimes you have to really perform with tough tasks and tight deadlines and like the, um, the thing that you have to deliver. But other times you don't. So keeping that in mind and be transparent with that and allow the team to slack sometimes is key because we can't perform 100% every day, even though it says on the slides deck for the company sales team, it's not gonna work. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I agree. And I think the pacing is, is everything. And uh, I think it's good to find a normal good pace, you know, that you keep throughout the time, knowing that there will be faster pace periods. Um, and um, like, Finding that pace can be a little bit hard sometimes. It usually takes a while with the team, but mm. once you find that pace, you kind of settle into it. And then knowing, and everybody knows that sometimes we have to step up a little bit, but we always come back to that that pace. Um, and sprints, in a, in a way, can also feel a little bit like you're sprinting and sprinting, like you were saying. So it might be good to set some longer overreaching plans over the over the sprint so it's not just another two weeks another two weeks another two weeks like we're going to do four maybe say like we're going to do four sprints and this the goal at end of the four sprints is this and then we'll do mm -hmm. slower two sprints another time we've done a lot too is uh have uh, like every quarter or something have two weeks of bug fixing or uh, maintenance or mm -hmm. refactoring and stuff to kind of slow down the pace a little bit too and it's been something that engineers have been asking on after once you introduce it they're like when are we doing the next refactoring like two week sprint or something um, mm. so that's a tactic i've used yeah i love that idea because it can also be something that you can motivate the team with right let's i mean the the, the problem of if you have to solve something really quick that uh, comes from the outside world yes let's just build it in a simple uh, like spaghetti cody uh, terrible way for now and make it uh, stick together with duct tape. And then, yeah, we'll solve it later behind the scenes because nobody really cares how it looks behind the scenes besides it's a team. But as long as there's this trust, uh, again, going back to trust between the, the product owner and the team, I think that that's, that's a brilliant way of solving it because then you deliver the value first and then you build it in a nice way afterwards. But then you have to sort of know that you will be able to build the, the thing uh, afterwards as well. Uh, yeah, I like this question because I think it puts us in the direction of balance. And usually it's it's much easier to lean towards the extremes than to find the right balance. Uh, and if, if I can share some practical advice on this, I think it's 
just as important that it is for you to share what's the priorities for the team is also important to share what is not a priority. And mm. I, one thing that I start noticing when I start leading teams is that every time that I ask someone to do something, they drop everything and do what I ask, even though it wasn't a priority. It was just something that I was bouncing <laughs> the idea of someone. But then because he was, oh, my manager asked me to do this. So, okay, it's a priority. Yeah. So if people assume that because it comes from you, it's a priority. So imagine, for instance, if the CEO just show up in the room and ask for something, then everybody will stop everything and do this. So it's also important for you to communicate that, uh, okay, this thing that I'm asking, it's not a priority. Just do when I have some time or this thing here is not that sensitive. So you can slow down the pace. And that's the time that people can have to recover, you know, to recover the pace, go slow, maybe even use their time to do things that are more mm. personally motivating for them, but it's not in the priority list because they have some time now. Yeah. Uh, because it, it also makes people easy to trust when you say it is a priority. Because if you say that everything is a priority, your word kind of loses its meaning. But if you balance uh, your communication with the team, say, okay, this is a priority, but every now and then you say, okay, this is not a priority. I think your your word gets better understood by the team. I'm just curious on this, and uh, just to follow up on that, because I agree a lot with it. But, uh, but what you're saying there, Tiago. But uh, do you does it make sense sometimes in, in the world like of, uh, transparency versus protection here uh, to not say some things and just keep them sort of in your own personal backlog, if you may, and not just putting it in the team's backlog because uh this avoiding this uh feeling of futility if you like the backlog just keeps filling up with new stuff all the time maybe you keep some of these things on, in your own backlog until it's time what do you think yeah yeah of course of course i think that's there are methods for you to take uh but again i'm still talking some situations that it's not even formally there like you or you put in the backlog but you don't prioritize it but mm. i think that your word comes with some weight from the team so sometimes they even i don't know when it's time for their for especially if you have a culture where people get some autonomy to you know uh prioritize their own work they're mm -hmm. always going to give an extra weight for the things that come from you or that you asked so it's also important for you to make clear what are the things that you're putting in the backlog or to, to uh, just share with the team that is not a priority yeah. and it needs to go through the normal process of prioritization it's not it's not automatically a priority just because it came from you Mm -hmm. uh, Thomas, what do you think? Yeah, I just wanted to add to that, and I think you touched on it a little bit, but a lot of times those uh, those uh, priorities might come from CEOs and other leaders in the team, and I found it useful to kind of educate those people, like that when they come in and say something, people jump on it and it derails maybe the longer the process that's in place. So uh, I have to do some some nice education at times with other stakeholders and leaders uh, in the company. Uh, so yeah, but yeah, it's definitely important and to make sure you don't, you like don't jump ahead. I mean, it's easy to get excited, especially if you're like uh, in the leader position and you got some new intel or some new idea popped up and then you want to share it with the team, but sometimes it can derail everything. So you got to be careful what you say sometimes. Yes, yes I, I would say the same. Sometimes just holding some things like uh, when you are sharing and how you're sharing. And uh, because uh, it, it already happens a lot of times, something that I've hold it, that I heard that I know that we should do or we need to do and I hold it. And then the, the team came up with that, that same thing. Okay, we should do, think, we should do this or should do that. 
and then they said okay we we had planned i know that we, we i know and i'm aware that we should that but let's 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 hold this for a while because it's not the main priority here at the moment let's wait and let's put it on on our plan or prioritization structure to for us to address it later because it's not time right now we need to focus on the other things and when it comes to pressure at what all the feedbacks that you you, you gave are very good very good to to balance what should uh, the moments that we should have more stress that should be more stressful but moments that should be focused on maybe mm. less stressful things things that they might feel more comfortable and um, one thing that I also sometimes like to do is uh, not doing exactly the same pressure with for everyone in the in the team. Sometimes, sometimes uh, I like to understand. Not I like, but uh, something that I usually do is to understand each one in the team. Some can hold pressure more than others, and then we can manage it individually. Yeah. Also, to know the moment that we can put more pressure on someone, that or the moment that someone needs some more space to mm. relax and take some time, and then. It makes a little, not easier, but I, I would say that ma makes possible to keep this this performance for a longer period. But again, I, I've asked because I'm just in the middle of this, and it's quite hard to keep this a long time when the pressure came from outside, from from the company, for, uh, for us or for the team to keep performing the same level. And then when, when the level goes down, they, they just keep asking and pressure oh why you have stopped delivering what we're doing why we're not mm. having the same speed that we were having before it's uh it's it's quite hard but yeah but very good very good very very good ideas from everyone i think that's a brilliant insight as well Mariam, and the things you had now i really agree with that good Perfect. Well, that's the end of our questions. Does anyone have any last thoughts or last suggestions they can give to the group? No. You could cover Wonder a lot of things. Yeah, yeah there's a yeah. lot of great insights. Yeah. yeah, I think you've had a great discussion. Well, you guys have. I've had a great time listening to it. Um, and everyone's different ideas and how you know you can be, you can collaborate all these together and deal with all those issues. Um, hopefully that'll be successful in the future. Um, so we'll leave it there. Um, this has been the Evolution Exchange podcast. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank Hans, Viago, Thomas and Miriam for taking part and providing us with such great insights on this topic. And thank you for listening.